BJ? BJ, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great this morning. Levi, we got you. Fantastic. Spencer, you awake? As per usual. All right, well, that's the four of us. We're here for another episode of Whiskey on the Weekends. A little housekeeping before we uh, jump into it. What's going on with Mangum Reed, BJ? Uh, we are uh, working our way through a book called The Fifth Season by M.K. Jemison. Uh, she's an author that won, um, I believe, the Nebula three years in a row for her trilogy. Hugo. Uh, oh, the Hugo. Yes. Thank you, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we're quite enjoying it. We're going through uh, this set of character arcs, and then uh, we'll probably do a short story and continue on. So it's a lot of fun. We should have an episode coming out soon. Sweet. And the GOT Got Questions podcast is a wrap. Spencer, we wrapped. We wrapped for now. There's plenty of Game of Thrones uh, material and episodes we've not covered before, and there are innumerable other shows that our fans or friends can recommend for us to do next. So this is not the end. This is merely the beginning of the end. Oh. Um, Okay. Well, let's get going. Uh, It was my turn to send out the whiskeys this week. Nice. Everybody, whiskey that should have one, three bottles, one tape, two tape, and three tape. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, we do. So, so when I opened the box and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, you know, bottle of whiskey, I'm excited. And then I saw three. And I just imagine, like, going through your head when you're packing up this whiskey. It's just like, I remember, uh, you know, some of the guys saying, like, yeah, you know, we try and keep it a little bit lower so we can actually do something with the rest of the day. And something that I said, particularly so, you know, having whiskey on the weekend in the morning, like, I can sober up and, and actually have something useful to do with my life uh, after this. And then I was like, how about we do three? Because, yeah. because no, that's not going to happen anymore. Different objectives. Well, drink as much as you want. Uh, I think the box <laughs> I gave you is, uh, is a little bit bigger than in the past, so it's going to go off the rails quick if we want it to. Is one of these champagne? Because in my copy, it is as bubbly as a bottle of champagne and about the same color. No. What? Okay. <laughs> that's an easy answer there, Spencer. No, I didn't send you champagne. Just making sure. <laughs> so let's this get the one with one tape. That is the champagne. Spencer, I feel like you haven't had champagne. Oh, and that's funny. They have uh, little uh, uh-huh. measuring things. <laughs> I, okay. Spencer's calling it champagne just because there's bubbles. There's like drip no by drip. Way. All right, I need to take off this uh, this top. Oh, this is slow. Yeah. Still tapping. Yeah, Spencer, just take that off. It's fine. Actually, nope. to yourself some. This isn't okay. hot sauce, so it might be a little fiery. I'm actually enjoying this now. Oh, my God. <laughs> too much, Spencer. <laughs> this reminding you of, like, any jerking off that you've done this morning? Or Whoa! <laughs> Here we go. We're starting blue. <laughs> All right. I have a station dose. Mm. Okay. That so is pretty. That's what? It's a very fruity smell to me. Okay. Um, first whiskey is called ONW. Um, and it is a old, the, the old Nick Williams Company out of Louisville, North Carolina. It's a bourbon. Uh, it claims to be of some sort of recipe that, you know, was handed down years and years and years ago or whatever, but it's a relatively new distillery. As a matter of fact, we are drinking out of a bottle that is made from just the second batch of this whiskey ever. Wow. They did a surprisingly good job for a very early release 
Yeah. And Levi, have you ever been to Louisville, North Carolina? I can't say that I have. Where's yeah, the me neither. I'm not even sure I've heard of it. I assume, I assume it's in the western part of the state. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's somewhere around there. Whatever. Louisville, North Carolina. It is... Roll... Uh, west of Winston-Salem. Um, we may have driven through the general area on our way to Asheville at some point. Gotcha. Well, <coughs> excuse me, folks. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite fond, actually. It's uh, it's not harsh at all. It doesn't taste terribly high. I prefer it so it's masked well. It's got a very sweet, almost almost like a burnt sugar or caramel kind of taste to it. Um, and at least for me, the smell almost comes across as fruity, but it may just be the, uh, the high sugar. Um, so, yeah, but this is nice, easy sip and drinking. Nice. Yeah. You like uh, this, I, I actually quite like it. I was going to say, when I Googled uh, Louisville, North Carolina, I got a bunch of uh, Louisville UNC game scores, and <clears throat> so I to say, we won two out of those three. Um, but, but yeah, I quite enjoy it. it. It's sweet. It's got sort of like a little nutty uh, back, which, which I quite enjoy. And Levi? I agree. Um, it, it's a little bit harsh in my palate. I have down with coffee. Also, I've got a fake sugar in my mouth. Um, I think I think over time I might start to like this a little bit less. It's, it's enjoyable for a glass. If I was drinking a couple of these, it might start to be too sugary because it, it is at least at least making across as a very thick, almost like syrupy kind of sugar on it. BJ, you picking that up? Um, yeah, sort of towards the middle. There is that sweetness, but. I don't think it's as cloying as many other uh, bourbons that, that even we've had on, on the podcast. Okay. All right. Well, does anybody have topics for today? Because I always have a mock agenda, but if you have anything you want to get to, we can we can hit that first. Um, so, yeah. Um, actually, I, I, there's a segment that I wanted to propose to you guys, which is right. um, hashtag on brand and sort of things that, that have happened to you in the past couple of weeks or stories or, or whatever that that are, as, as we sort of call them, on-brand for you. <laughs> so um, I'm happy to start because uh, okay. I'm the one proposing it. Um, and uh, I think that, that everybody here will, will acknowledge and agree that this is quite on-brand. So um, I, I sent everybody uh, this morning a picture of my breakfast and, and trying to uh, prepare for for the difficulty that is whiskey on the weekend. And one of the things that I had on there were these um, sort of fritters that, that I got at a, uh, one of the local uh, Korean, well, I guess it's local, but an H Mart, a uh, Korean grocery store that's fairly near me. And, and one of my favorite things to do on the weekend is I go there early and get some veggies and whatever, get my shopping for the week out of the way. And every Fairly often, they'll have like an array of prepared foods, and sometimes they'll have like different things on sale. And so I love like going through finding like random things on sale that either that I usually haven't had before, and I have basically you know no idea what it is, or like I can look at the ingredients and get some idea, and then I'll like try get them home and and sit and try them. And so this week, 
um, I ended up getting a bean sprout stew and a kimchi frittata as well as um, it had some Korean name and essentially what it was was uh, strips of ham, pickle, uh, fake crab, and one other thing and arrayed in like a flag pattern with a toothpick through it and then like fried in a little bit of egg and it sort of like looked at looked like fried little flags which i thought was just like a cool little uh packaging of a bunch of things that, that go together uh reasonably well and so that's my uh hashtag on brand for the week okay i think i get the gist of this segment and i think i have one to offer so when we do Whiskey on the Weekends, we've, we've taken to doing it at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and 8, I guess, in BJ uh, in Western Time. Yep. Like drinking whiskey at 8 o'clock in the morning, so shout out to BJ. Um, but I, that, it's a weird time for me because I can't really do much in the morning. You can't really go out and, and get a lot done because I wake up about 9 o'clock on the weekends. So I get up and I walk around Fresh Market. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Fresh Market before. Um, mm-hmm. It's this really high-end grocery store um, that a lot of old people go to. It's, um, you know, very fitting where I live now. I live basically like in a one step away from like assisted living. A lot of old folks here. And so this morning I was walking around drinking my cold brew coffee, and I saw that there was a sale on escargot. So I got six escargot and came home and cooked it. <laughs> at nine, maybe 10 o'clock. So there you go. Yep. that That's a uh, hashtag on brand. I like it. <laughs> uh, BJ, uh, or sorry, Spencer, Lima, anything? I mean, on brand for me just seems to be odd stories that I somehow get myself into and don't really have a good way of getting out of. Uh, yeah, I think or something like, socks related or stay up to like weird hours because uh, – how about Enduring Florida? That's pretty on-brand for me. Yep. Uh, okay. Did I sure, tell you guys fair. about my experience with the love bugs? No. No. Okay. I did not know this was a thing, but apparently Florida being some kind of big, weird, tropical third-world country just has massive growth of insect populations that occur certain periods of the year when they engage in massive populating swarms across the entire landscape and anyone who wants to go through it. Florida really does suck. In new and unique ways that I keep discovering. Um, I was driving north to a a deposition in Orlando that I didn't need to go to, that was another waste of time, but I was forced to because people ordered me to go. So I went. Uh, I left early in the morning, and about two hours into the drive, I suddenly became convinced that though it was blue skies, it was hailing. Because what appeared to be tiny little black rocks were striking my windshield with enough frequency, it was like somebody was throwing pebbles at my car. I then realized that, no, these little black rocks are exploding with tiny little bits of guts. As I was driving through the middle of millions of insects that were fucking in the middle of the highway. Spencer, that's the third plague. Essentially, (laughs) yes, it was. Spencer's living out revolution. It was thick enough in, in paired copulating insects that I was rapidly driving through that their guts fully obscured my windshield with a thick paste that I, my windshield wipers couldn't clear. Spencer, how, how do you know that they like were, were in pairs? I know this because when I got in my car, they were in little linked collections of, embedded on my windshield and front part of my car. Spencer, you should start the next Noah's Ark, you know, take insects two by two. 
I'm afraid they were all corpses by the time they were getting my position, but I'll try to improve <laughs> in the future. Um, so I was, again, enough bugs are hitting my windshield that I can't see. It's just a mess of just paste bug guts anywhere outside the window. And, of course, this being Florida, I have to maintain a constant 85 miles per hour, otherwise someone's going to run me over. So I, having a few other options, not being able to, say, just pull over in the middle of the highway in the middle of nowhere on the way to Orlando, basically just kind of dangled my head out the window and drove Ace Ventura style dodging bugs flying past my head for a few miles until I could find a gas station to pull over into. Did they think that you were a biker with all the bugs in your teeth? Uh, forehead more than teeth, but yeah, a few, a few got me. Um, was able to finally make it to my, uh, somewhere close to my destination to pull over and found that my car had been hit enough times that um, it now very much looked like it had a mustache that it didn't start to drive with. Isn't your car named Gary or something like that? So wouldn't a mustache be appropriate? Uh, Duncan. I don't know if that's more or less appropriate. Okay. Uh, uh, also, as a result of the sheer number of bugs that were striking my car, they actually blocked the air intake, and so my air conditioner um, oh, no God. longer blew air for the rest of that tri trip up and down. Because um, I was able to clear it out enough that I started to get air conditioner on the start of the drive back, but then went right back through the season, and they fully plugged the, the air intake valves. And so, yeah, uh, my car was covered in a mess of bug guts and paste that didn't allow me to see out of uh, without, and then drove with that air conditioner for three hours through a new experience of the various plagues that descend on Florida in a seasonal fashion. Seems so, like a white trash Sully situation. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to say, like, it, they talk about in uh, a bunch of the California cities, there being a California tax that you pay extra essentially to live in a California city because of the weather and whatever else. Like, do you get like a, a tax benefit or a rebate or something for, like for living in, in Florida? Uh, the the that, that, right? uh, there is no monetary investment in me. I would just write it off as the things I do for love. No, I, I think Alaska does have this. Oh yeah. Alaska definitely does. Uh, yeah, okay. their oil, uh, mm -hmm. They have everybody gets a check or for some amount uh, because of that. And when we elect Andrew Yang president, we're all going to get a thousand dollars. Yang Yang, hashtag twenty twenty. What up? So is that sufficiently on brand for me? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so so, so we, we need a new name. It's not Trials of Job. It's uh, you know, something of Spencer. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> The things Florida inflicts upon me to prove my faith. Yeah, inflictions upon Spencer. <laughs> Levi, your turn. I am I am racking my brain trying to discover what would have, what I did this week to begin with. Um, we went to dinner. We did go to dinner to, to a very nice Indian restaurant. I was going to say um, that that is not on brand. Levi going out and doing something with somebody else. Nope. Had to get him the whiskey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we had a nice Indian dinner, um, and, and Terry and his on-brand uh, moment ordered uh, four main courses. Um, Thought BJ might approve. <laughs> and, and it was great. When we were ordering, um, the waiter, he, he was like, I want this, and I want this, uh, I want this. And then he looks to me, like with like a just a, a, a vacant look in his face, uh, the waiter, and it's like, are you going to order now, or is this am I just not feeding? Uh, is this my life? Just listening to various Indian dishes being in or inaccurately pronounced by some 
some skinny white guy who's ordering a shit ton of food. Um, <laughs> I just want to point to the menu. Point to the menu, not try to say it. Yeah, I'm just saying. It was, it was, it, it, BJ, you would have been proud of him. Let's put it that way. Um, so this actually brings up a, a story from, from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was on the East Coast for a friend of mine getting married. And um, so I uh, flew into North Carolina, and Levi, Sarah, and uh, myself and my girlfriend had dinner together at uh, some African place that I found. And uh, for certain reasons, basically Spencer being difficult, uh, Lee was not able to join us. Um, and we, we were having a conversation at dinner, and Sarah was like, oh, yeah, um, so Lee came here during lunch and just, like, ordered all the dishes that they had. And so we have, like, all of the takeout from this place at home. And I can tell you that, like, these four things are good because I already tried them. <laughs> I did do that. This <laughs> is some recon for you guys. I made sure Sarah was prepped when she came in. Also, like, I, I figured I wasn't going to be able to do the pod that night because Spencer and I were, were circling the the wagons on I Got Questions podcast. Mm-hmm. did want to try it, so. Yeah. Don't have it. So, so this was a uh, trying to schedule you for, for podcast, Spencer, the, the trials and tribulations of, of doing, uh, making yeah. sure you, you are present for certain things. It's, it's, been a, it's been a rough period. I apologize for a few reschedulings that I've been responsible for. Yeah, no worries. So uh, you almost done with your uh, sex reviewing? <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I don't think my, I don't, I don't think my review of public records, text messages included will ever quite finish. Fair enough. Spencer, I have an idea for a new show for us. Please. It's a, a ABC show. It's a, um, uh, I'm going to sound pretentious here, a Shonda Rhimes vehicle. Uh, it's called How to Get Away with Murder. Okay, this seems like a, a show that's going to get in, has some liability troubles down the line, but go on. So here's the premise. So okay. it's about this law professor okay. who also has a law practice, criminal law practice. Mm-hmm. And she basically every year will select four or five maybe um, students to intern at her law office. Okay. So it kind of goes – of course, then drama ensues, everything, everything. So, but it kind of goes in and out of a law school class. Mm-hmm. As they're dealing with certain, you know, either a case or something in their personal life, um, and so I was thinking, uh, you could just sit and just for like forty-five minutes do like actual lawyer bitching. <laughs> uh, happily, silly show. <laughs> Based on actual legal experience, what law school class is like. Happy to serve. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like uh, I've been trying to get you to watch Boston Legal, but I feel like the the law nerd bitching on that would be uh, fairly high as well. Um, I like that think it's... title better, law nerd bitching. That's good. <laughs> you, did, you had a wonderful proposition for a law nerd, for a, a, a law nerd kind of show of me just walking up to random drunk people at a bar and asking legal questions to help finish my cases. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was not like a show. That was a, a, a valid suggestion, and, and I feel like it should happen. But if you did record it, that would be amazing. Though I feel like you'd probably need to get permission I feel like of all the things that Florida is, I cannot imagine it's a uh, one-party consent state. It is, actually. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? 
Yeah. I mean, I know it's like a one-party consent state for, like, shootings, but, like, not... Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, the, the issue would be on, on um, making any profit or uh, use of their um, their work and opinions and voice and that kind of thing. But, yeah, as soon as we make a profit, we can take that down. That's the point. <laughs> but BJ basically proposed that if I had any legal questions that I didn't know the answer to or just were fun to debate, I essentially do a version of drunk history and just walk into a bar and ask drunk people in the bar to respond and provide comment, their drunk common sense commentary on certain legal issues. Which there's precedent really? for this. There's precedent for this because you've done this with the Mangum Group. I where we're all drunk and you're just walking around like, hey, let me pick your brain on something. Uh, you guys have helped get me through a few years of legal practice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that that was one of my like some of my favorite conversations with you were like random conversations where you'd tell me about some case that's coming up when you were clerking for uh, the judge in in Virginia, oh, and yeah. we'd have like a long conversation about some random legal point and. Uh, I think my favorite was the uh, there was one about state park or national parks and just like because something happened in a national park and it was just like all right well where do we fall on this and and we had a very long conversation about it and it was that, I think that was I think that was the uh, open container case yeah which, that was a constitutional issue which was fascinating to go through I, I guess I I didn't know whether there was like lawyer privilege or something where we shouldn't talk about specifics of case but it's a it's a, it's a, it's a matter of public record it was a it was a, a petty, a petty oh, it was a criminal case that was brought in federal court so you could look it up on the docket entry did Lee, levi ever tell you about that one uh vaguely but let's, let's do it again good um, i like that yeah it's a good story Okay, basically the circumstances are and i'm curious as your guys you know legal opinion legal opinions um Circumstances were is that a um, uh, national parks are subject to federal jurisdiction. So if you commit even petty offenses in a national park, you will go to federal court, which does not have things like driving school or any other deferred program. You have to appear in front of a federal judge to explain yourself, which is a remarkably intimidating process. There was a guy who was driving through the park, got tired, and just pulled his car over to go to sleep for the night. Um, a ranger found him in the morning and worked under the assumption that he was drunk. He had no evidence for this, but he wanted to investigate further. So he convinced the guy to get out of his car, and debating events, he says the guy gave him permission to search his vehicle to guide him. Hold on, hold on a second. Super, super germane to the case, and very important that you completely skipped over is this is a Jeep. This is a, I was going to describe the vehicle next, but yes, this is a very classic Jeep Cherokee kind of Jeep which has front seat, back seat, and kind of a trunk area. Um, the officer searches through the front part of the car, finds nothing. Searches through the back seat, finds nothing. In the trunk area, which is an open air trunk, he finds a duffel bag, about the size of a medicine bag kind of thing. Opens it up, and inside finds a single, empty, open beer can. Hold on a second. Spencer, you say medicine bag like it's supposed to conjure up something useful in our okay. heads. It, to, give, to give a comparison <laughs> to the can, imagine roughly three beer cans lined up next to each other could fit in the size of this, of this duffel bag. It's a very Thanks. tiny duffel bag. <laughs> medicine bag, PJ, come on. Exactly. A oh. duffel medicine bag, yeah. I also enjoyed a very, what did you say, Jeep Cherokee sort of Jeep? Yes. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Okay. I'm trying to give you a visual. Uh, he opens up and finds the 
open beer can and arrests the guy for possession of an open container in a, in a motor vehicle. Jesus Christ. It's aggressive. Uh, and brings him to the federal judge to bring this crime and bring the indictment with respect to it. Um, we, I worked for a federal magistrate judge. So this was one of the first cases that we were tasked with reviewing. And I had enough notice of this that I was able to just out of curiosity check with BJ and a couple of the guys about what their thoughts were because it was a weird little legal situation. Um, given those circumstances, let's ignore the issue of unauthorized potential search because that's an entirely separate can of worms. Purely with respect to in a duffel bag in the trunk area of an open air Jeep, there is a closed duffel bag with an, with an open container of beer. Should this, is this a crime or should it be a crime and what should a judge do about it when confronted with it? Levi, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, pretty obviously it's not a crime. <laughs> yeah, right there with you. Explain your reasoning, sir. I can't see how an open container is in an enclosed space. That seems like a very odd definition, but, you know, open container probably has a technical legal definition um, that is not intuitive to the rest of us plebs. Uh, I believe at the time when I was searching for the definition, it essentially was defined as an open container of alcohol in the uh, passenger in the passenger area of a vehicle. That is driving compartment. I think you're right. I think that was driving compartment of a vehicle. Because I remember having this conversation where it's just like, well, but it's a Jeep. And yeah. so everything's the fucking driving compartment. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that it's all the way in the back and that he can't access it is the, you know, important part rather than it's within the container that is the Jeep. So, so let's take a, a different approach, Spencer. Um, Please. You said an open container of alcohol in the driving compartment. In is doing a lot of work here. Um, in a few few months, I'm, I'm moving to Boston. Uh, sure. What the meaning of in is? I'm going to pack my car. <laughs> Thank up. you, Bill Clinton. Uh, inside of my car will probably be bottles of alcohol. Let's say I've got my entire car, uh, trunk, uh, back seat, and passenger seat filled to the brim. I stuffed to the from the floor to the ceiling. I stuffed stuff in there. And you have a you have a Mazda that's a hatchback though. Uh, I've got a, a Camry. Um, okay. You change cars. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's say on the, the passenger side rear um, seat floorboard, um, I've got bottles of alcohol that I've opened previously, but everything is, is stuffed. So there's there's it, it'll take 20 minutes. To get That's an open container violation. That's an open container violation? Yep. Yeah, you also have given the officer probable cause to pull you over because you don't have a lot of sight in your car because you've packed everything to the ceiling, which is like a dangerous way to drive around. Of course. Um, so that's the definition of open container, in, in which case, It, yeah. it varies I, remarkably by state. I'll, I'll say that much as well. Yeah, well, Louisiana. You're going to drive yeah, through Virginia? Like, everything's a problem in Virginia. I'm just going to... See, these situations are exactly why um, I don't advocate for uh, tearing down the government, but like... <laughs> It is a fact of life that is part of our daily operating, driving on roads, going about our day-to-day business. We are in constant violation of some law at every given moment. That's just how broad the array of laws are that they have in the books. I find open container laws to just be ridiculous, period. But like, they don't if you're not drunk, then what the hell's the problem? I mean, they, they definitely so, so two moments right here that I'm going to put out as hashtag on brand. Levi going a rant about the government. And uh, Lee going, open container laws? 
I don't see a problem with it. Like, no. if you're not drunk, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, 100%. Like, the concept of inside of my car, there is an open container of alcohol. I'm not, you know, irregardless of how accessible it is, um, is, is mind-blowing. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it reflects in some ways a bit, of, a bit of a shift in the law that happened of where um, originally when officers pulled you over, they had the right to search your immediate person to see whether you had any weapons as part of their own self, their own protection. And the law has shifted so remarkably from that, it's just gotten ridiculous. I've already shifted that, okay, well, theoretically, somebody could reach to the center console, so we could search that too. Um, but no, they also could reach over to the passenger seat. Oh, wait a minute. People with really long arms could reach into the back seat and grab something potentially. And that same original principle of we need to do this so that somebody can't pull a gun on an officer now extends to the trunk and underneath the vehicle. Mm. So there is a kind of natural flow where a reasonable enough principle starts that then is motivated by different interests to go entirely off that board. So, so violating personal rights is, is the uh, slippery slope that we're on. Uh, yeah, plainly. All right, I'm with Levi. Let's tear it all down. Let's take a different approach here, Spencer, in terms of this argument. Um, an open container of alcohol. Is an empty can an open container? Uh, that was a fun debate that we went into as well, because it was at that point, more, we, by, I think by certain definitions, more trash or recycling than it was a yeah. potential source of continued alcohol. Yeah, that's uh, a good question, Levi, because then you could never take your empties to the dump, right? So then another I, I couple... Recycle. It's illegal yeah. to recycle. It's, it's basically what, what I've just heard. <laughs> The officer tried to justify that though he did not have the can still in immediate evidence, there was still a small amount of alcohol in it. Further, further question. Um, so I, I can imagine there being a bunch of states that would be super unhappy about this. So if you were to get a refillable container refilled with alcohol, which is relatively common, like uh, you know, getting a, a growler, a growler of beer or something like that, is that an open or closed container, you know, what defines that as open or closed? If, because for the most part, a lot of places when they seal this, uh, this container of beer, it's just a screw cap that is then tightened. Mm -hmm. um, I think they would say that something that is not sealed, that is subject to immediate drinking without further action or aid would be defined as an open container in most states. Well, so, so if the, the, the top is screwed on. Yeah. Then you know that 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 is not immediate consumption. Yeah, you have to unscrew it. Right. Uh, again, it would probably depend on individual state law, but I think they would say that if you have, if you've done any act to break the seal, they could theoretically try to push it. Okay, so Spencer, we've done a lot of speculating here. Uh, what was the actual result of this case? Uh, as was, well, I mean, pretty much from day one, I don't want to go into my conversations with the judge, but basically his conclusion was this is bullshit. What did this guy do to piss the off, piss the ranger off? Of uh, where. I, I don't even need to look and see whether this is the crime, that I will purely use judge nullification to say that even if this was a crime, it is not the intent or purpose behind the statute for why it is on the books. Uh, so, no, you've wasted my time. I'm thoroughly annoyed at you. You'll make this up to me later that you, I even had to come in for this. Yeah, and I would like to talk about these overly aggressive park rangers because I know somebody <laughs> – um, Related story, I know somebody who got pulled over in a park, a national park, and the, the park ranger searched his car. He claims he didn't give him you know, the authority to do so, but they searched his car and found one joint that was wrapped up in a, like a plastic sandwich bag that was in his book bag. And 
he got arrested, obviously, and then had to go, like you said, Spencer, before a federal judge to deal with this. And, of course, the federal judge, I think, that made him pay, like, a $100 fine and threw it out. Like, it was, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. But, he, yeah, fucking park rangers, man. It, it results in a really interesting docket for federal courts, particularly uh, magistrate judges, that they, in a given day, will handle, you know, complex conspiracy drug smuggling charges. Um Straight up attacks on threats and attacks on major government figures, including the president, and then fishing without a license, just back to back to back. It's part of the weird collection of things they will handle. We had a Korean couple where, at the time I was working for them, they were on their sixth offense of illegally harvesting ginseng from the national park. Well, they should be thrown in jail for that. That's bullshit. <laughs> Every single time they came before the judge claiming not to speak English, despite the fact that each time they'd spoken English in the prior hearing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they were making a pretty impressive living uh, harvesting both natural ginseng and also illicitly growing their own in the national park to then sell within the community. Uh, so this was just part of their regular profession, and they were just frequent flyers in the federal court system from how often the rangers kept catching them. So. Fucking park rangers, man. Any park rangers listening right now, settle the fuck down. Uh, show people where to go. You're really a tour guide. That's what you are. <laughs> <laughs> they are federally, uh, they're federally authorized police officers with additional duties. By, by the way, this is very much bringing to mind uh, the Reddit thread that, that BJ sent to the group of what is something that is to, something that you do or something that someone could do that is classy when you're rich, uh, but uh, trashy if you're poor. Um, I imagine that couple <laughs> had a lawyer's phone number uh, or card in their wallet, which is one of the comments on the thread, which is apropos. Um, That's fun. <laughs> you know, that, that whole thread was classic, uh, BJ. Um, you know, things like living in a hotel. Uh, if you're rich, dignified. <laughs> you're, uh, yep. You're cosmo- cosmopolitan. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a quality thread, and the uh, I think the specific comment that I've linked, which was very apropos, our uh, current activities was uh, day drinking. Mm. Yeah. Could we put escargot in there, too? Yeah. <laughs> you just see some white guy in a, guy in a yeah. white t-shirt just picking snails up off the ground. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like Opal is another one that, that that's sort of super segmented. I mean, there's like pate de foie gras, you know, mm-hmm. very, 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 you know, far one side, and then like chitlin. Sure. And it's, you know, basically the same, you know, class of of, of items. Uh, On the same category, I would say uh, harvesting mushrooms. What? No, harvesting mushrooms is either A, you are armed with a collection of pigs looking for high value truffles to sell, to to make make part of incredibly expensive dishes, or you're just a guy walking down the street with a series of pigs on leashes. (laughs) (laughs) What? Series of pigs on leashes? What was that? <laughs> the process of harvesting truffles. They, 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 the classic way of doing it is actually okay. But but what's the low? What 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 is the really <laughs> trashy thing of like having a pig on a, a leash? If you had a visual of a guy walking down the street with a series of pigs on leashes, you would develop certain assumptions. Yes, but none of them are trashy. Yes, I, yeah, I think I I think I would. Uh, I I suspect this is very weird, and I'm questionable. Um, so. <laughs> By the way, um, I just thought of something. Um, it didn't happen this week, but I, I, I communicated to, to my partner uh, this week. <laughs> something that's very on brand for me. Uh, okay, so we've returned. Your part, is, is your partner your girlfriend? Yes. No, he just told me. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, well, again, you know, 
Um, you're leaning into this on brand really hard, and I appreciate that. Calling Sam your partner. What you got uh, there, Brian? I like uh, making people confused about things. Um, so, in, in Terry, I don't know if you've noticed this, um, now that you've moved to civilization. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe once every two weeks, I will be working, and, and I'll up, and it's 1 p.m. I've not had lunch. I've got calls the entire afternoon. I have no time to get lunch. So I'll order Postmates or, yep. or um, Grubhub. Grubhub or any other food delivery Uber Eats, whatever it is, yeah. Um, the thing that grinds my gears the most and that makes me feel like a really terrible human, but, but I, I think it's reasonable, um, is when the person who's delivering your food like, calls you and says, I'm outside, and they want you to walk you know, the, the, the 20 yards from my front door to where their car is parked and not deliver it to my, to my door. It's really annoying. I feel like such a, such a sort of elitist asshole. Um, but it seems like you could make, make the effort, right? I'm, I'm paying you 20% or whatever. Um, but I, whoa. I, whoa, you don't pay 20%? No, no, it's not quite that high. But yeah, no. So my wife is being triggered right now if she's listening to this because I, since we moved um, to a place that's like we've said in civilization, I've been addicted to Postmates. I probably get it five times a week. Um, and Levi, you are right to be upset about this. I don't think I've ever gotten Postmates or Grubhub and the person hasn't walked it to my door, unless I was out there to meet them. They always walk it to your door. Well, Maybe that's a function of like where you live, like it's a longer distance, but for me, they always bring it to the door. Yeah, the, the last time that happened, um, I literally got on the, like, walked out of my stoop and just stared at the person. Oh my gosh. There's a visual. There there it is. Hashtag on brand. Okay. Yeah, I I was not going to get off my stoop. Like, they're going to walk it up here. Uh, Hilarious. And I just stared at this person, and they're looking at me, sort of dumbfounded. Like, are are, are we really doing this? I'm sure they're consequences. Huh? Yeah, eventually they they did after a very long, awkward time. Um, But I, I felt really annoyed by this. Like, guys, I'm. It's not cheap. Um, like, yeah. And come on, come no. on. It's, it is pretty expensive. It's not twenty percent, but it's 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 pricey, which is part of the reason Sarah's triggered right now because she's like, damn it, Terry, stop ordering fucking Grubhub. But it's so cool. Like any restaurant. Any yeah. restaurant? I'll tell you one that I did that is it shows just how deep in the spiral I've gotten with this. One morning, ordered, Taco Bell. No, I got Waffle House. <laughs> Waffle House. <laughs> I did. I got Waffle House and in, in typical uh, sort of me fashion, hashtag on brand, I got like three or four different entrees. And this is the all-time MVP of Grubhub drivers because he calls me. He says, I'm at, I'm at Waffle House. I'm looking at your order. It looks like they've put two entrees in the same container. Is that okay with you? I was like, dude, you've earned, you've earned your tip, my friend. It was, just spoiler alert, it was okay for me. Uh, and I had Waffle House that morning. It was pretty great. Yeah, Levi, I'm, I'm fully with you. If I've paid for delivery, I expect it to not have to put in any amount of work to get that food to me. The only exception I make is that if I'm, say, actually ordering it at my office, the poor driver would have to pay for parking to get it to me. So it's like, okay, for that, I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll go down and help you out because so you have to find parking and pay for parking to come in and get it. But if it's at my home, pull in the driveway, walk to my door. I have paid for that service. Thank you much. And I, I just find it, it it's 
obviously I'm, I'm self-interested in this respect because I, I primarily work from home. Um, so like me being at home is, is a work activity um, as opposed to I'm just some random person who is not working and is lazy and does want to walk there. <laughs> I mean, because like often I'm, I'm on calls, on mute, uh, walking to get that. <laughs> and I'm just so annoyed by it. Uh, but it, it very much shows like the, what is the classy thing uh, versus what is a elitist thing. Like me ordering delivered in the middle of the day. I'm working because it's... Uh, yeah, but just, yeah, but you switch out little like Little Caesars with that or Pizza Hut, right? And then and it's, it's white trash again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but the other thing I was going to say is like when oh, it's wow. specifically delivery, so like a, a pizza delivery company or Chinese takeout or something like that, they deliver to your door and that's expected. Whereas like there's this weird like Grubhub kind of place where it's just like there's some more discussion and transaction that goes along with it, which is super weird. And it's like, well, why don't you just park and like knock on my door like like a normal person? We, we've brought in the third party. And then inarguably you could say that the Grubhub person should be more customer service oriented, right? Because the exactly. delivery is higher, plus you're tipping on top of that. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good gig. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so something that I just linked in chat, um, it seems like the melting pot may be going with uh, oh takeout options. No. The delivery. No. What? How would you do that? I, I have no idea. And that, that's what I really like. I, I Spencer, just, just so you know, like when, when I was thinking of takeout and delivery, it's, it, they may be trying to work that into the things that they offer. Well, I will say that the image on that, that article, um, I'm not going to lie. Melting Pot looks like they have some, some bomb-ass uh, tuna there. <laughs> Guys, I just thought of something. We could, we could conceivably just order Spencer food that would just show up at his house. Oh, my God. We could just, like, 9 <laughs> o'clock on a Tuesday, we could just send him, like, Taco Bell. I have still not unpacked or even opened the packages of the various socks that you guys have sent. <laughs> I can only imagine if we started doing this and just got random food. Holy moly. <laughs> so, so the other thing that we could do, and, and I think to, to me this is even funnier, like not prepared food, but, you know, there are a variety of, like... Blue Apron? We're going to give oh, him uh, something to prepare? Well, see, see, not even Blue Apron, because I feel like Blue Apron's, like, you know, preparing a lot of the steps. Like, there are, you know, local um, community-supported agriculture. Like, we can get him, like, farm boxes, or there's, uh, You're uh, like, meat ugly my vegetables. Door. Yeah, just, like... produce. Yeah, we get that. Yeah, exactly. You know, we could send Spencer like random bits of produce and, and it's just like we can force a commitment yeah, of I'm, like I'm, this is going to be like your evenings from now on. I'm picturing arriving home and just finding a massive box which has half a cow in it. It's just been left for me to do something. Well, you're not going to get half a cow, but I can guarantee I'm going to randomly postmate you food in the next week. So write that down. What's going to be fun, too, is you're probably going to post it to my house and then expect me to drive home from work to get it or something. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the driver's annoyed. It's like, why aren't you here? It's like, I'm sorry. I'll be here in a minute. And then I put in the comments, you know, because you can always put in a message for the driver, like, hey, I'm at work. Make sure to call me 15 minutes before and I'll come home. 
So this this actually reminds me of uh, something that I discovered briefly that was shared on the internet and then very quickly taken home, taken off the uh, taken off the internet. So um, there was a website where you could request um, proselytizers to come to your house. You can Ooh, ask for pit no. preachers to be delivered. I was uh, not quite sure where you were going with that word, my friends. <laughs> Requesting pro. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay, that, that puts a different spin on it. Um, and I think they would also deliver a Bible. And uh, it was, you know, it must have been posted on Reddit or something else. They deliver a Bible and, and have a conversation with, with you about it. And I do remember trying to get it sent to uh, Saluda Court and where Spencer was living at the time. And, um, Basically, it, it might have been LDS or something along those lines. And basically, at some point, I got a very polite and respectful email that was a, you know, a lot of people have been taking advantage of this service. And, you know, we, we're not sure that we can send you, send, you know, everybody out, but we'll do our best to deliver a Bible. Um, this is the problem of you not following up on your plans, because I would have told you how annoyed I was that I had <laughs> separate sets of Mormons show up at my place in Charlottesville. Um, you did this? <laughs> By the way, that happened at Salute Accord, didn't it? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. editor. <laughs> yeah. editor I had no Salute idea. Accord was where Terry, uh, myself, and Josh uh, lived <laughs> some time. Um, not Spencer. So, so, BJ wanted to troll someone, probably didn't have Spencer's address, and is like, well, I, maybe it's Salute Accord. I, I don't know. It, you, Chapel they, they should have a court play. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember the Mormons coming by, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you did that, BJ. Good <laughs> Lord. Talk about a, a lead time for a reveal, like <laughs> six years later. I, I mean, this is amazing. Like, th th this is probably better than had I actually gotten a, you know, immediate, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we, we got bothered by a bunch of Mormons this weekend that, that I can go pro probably like I 10 years later now, it's just like, oh, man, that was like an awful couple of weeks. They kept bothering me. I can go look for the Bible they gave me the first time. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that makes me so happy. I, uh, I, I love that it. was a great reveal. Spencer, do you know you can throw things away? <laughs> I, I still have high school textbooks and high school stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you guys want to try the second whiskey? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay, right. so this is the one that's going to have two tape strips on it. So, Terry, when you got these bottles, did you – I mean, you explicitly added the cap on there. Did you do that to troll us or just because you didn't think about it? Well, that was what the instruction said. Oh, okay. That's a very Spencer thing to say. It yeah. is. That, that was me right there. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it said. All right, let me Tabasco some of this out. Get, my, get my spectrum on. So this bourbon is um, a whiskey bourbon, as Spencer would call it. It's Yellowstone, hmm. um, and it is made in um, a place very close to uh, BJ's heart, Lebanon, Kentucky. 
and uh, 93 proof, and it won something. Yeah, so a little bit higher on the alcohol percentages than typically offered, which usually comes in at about 80 proof or 40%. And this is actually the second bottle of this I've got. I, I bought one a couple weeks ago and really enjoyed it. Um, I think I like it better than the first whiskey we had, the mm -hmm. ONW, but I just thought it was really neat to be able to try a whiskey where it's literally their second batch. You don't, you don't get that opportunity very often. So, Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Um, tasting this whiskey, I, I feel like I, I've referenced this before, but um, one of our friends, Adam, uh, when we were talking about whiskey, was like, yeah, I really like sour mashes. I don't really drink other whiskey like scotch or Irish whiskeys, but, but particularly sour mash bourbons is, is where, where his heart lies. And, and I think this would be another whiskey that, that he would quite like. Um, yeah. Drinking it's that very, whiskey bourbon. It's very smooth. Yeah, it's very smooth. It's a very classic sour mash whiskey bourbon. If we're keeping that term, I'm happy to keep it. Uh, Spencer, do you like this one more than the first one? I don't. I'm actually not that fond of sour mashes. Um, it's perfectly fine. Though. I mean, I would be happy to do sip this, whatever else. It's just not my preferred flavor. Gotcha. Okay. Is it a little, a little too sweet for you, Spencer? No, I mean, it's not. It's not an issue of really sweet. The first one was way sweeter. He likes sweet. I, I'm okay with sweet. I, this, the kind of just uh, sour aftertaste this has um, is it's fine, but I just don't particularly enjoy it as much. This be just something that I would happily enjoy with others, but would not seek out myself. So I guess. So that's what uh, we're doing because this is this is one of my favorite ones we've had on the pod. Hmm. It is. I really like this whiskey. Go ahead, BJ. Sorry, cut yeah, you off. it's really nice. Well, I was going to say before uh, Levi gives his uh, agreement notes, I was going to say um, I feel like we brought up, uh, I believe, last episode or maybe the episode before, where uh, uh, different whiskeys that were our marks and so uh -huh. mark versus price point. And so uh, comparing this to Maker's Mark or I, Buffalo Trace, which you gave me some shoot for, or um, Bullet. So, so I feel like that gives everybody else a sense of like how we like it in comparison to something that probably everybody else has had. Um, okay. And I guess I would say, uh, I'm not going to do comparison to Buffalo Trace just because that's probably a somewhat unfair comparison. But to, mm, I would say so. Uh, Maker's or Bullet, um, I think that the first whiskey that we had was more interesting. And so to me that uh, I prefer interesting over uh, pleasant and comfortable. And so I'd have that whiskey over either Makers or Bullet at least a couple of times and then be like, all right, I, I think that the Bullet is more, more to my taste. And I think with this one, this could be, this could replace, uh, I'd say, Makers. I, I think it's a little bit closer to Makers than Bullet, um, depending on the price point. So if it was around a Makers price point and not, like, way more expensive, I would definitely, like, swap that down. I feel like we could isolate part of what you just said there and apply it to your sex life. You know, like, interesting or uncomfortable, more than comfortable and pleasant. Uh, anyway, that flashed uh, across my head. But I will tell you uh, the price points if you'd like to know, PJ. Uh, o and W is $60. Okay. That's the first one we had. Uh, and Yellowstone is, I think, 40 Okay. Yeah, 
I, I think Yellowstone for 40 is, is a really good deal. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think that that would be a, you know, I'm at a point in my life where, you know, that 10 or $15 over a very typical whiskey is something that I'd pay over and over again. Yep. Yep. Uh, Levi, Yellowstone, better or worse than Bullet? Uh, smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it has, the, there's not much of interest here. It's just very smooth. Um, in my opinion. Um, so I would say worse in some respects, but better as a regular sipping whiskey. Okay. I would actually, I mean, largely agree. I would say it is definitely smoother than bullet. I think it's just a pure question of flavor for me where I think, I think I like the taste of bullet better than I like this, but it definitely comes across as very smooth, very easy sipping. It is perfectly pleasant. It's just whether you like the, like the flavor palette or not. But not as good as the first one, right? I mean, I think I would enjoy being able to drink this one longer. So just to come across, it's just, it's very easy. It's not having that kind of in, syrupy buildup that would probably get annoying after a while. Um, but I, I, I I'm with BJ, I found the first one just more interesting and had a much more rich array of flavors than this one did. And I just prefer that kind of sweet flavor palette to, to what this is. Okay. All right. What are we going to talk about next? Anybody else have another agenda topic? Um, I actually had one more. Okay. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I'm happy to start, but um, I I would say I'm probably equanimical to to a fault. Um, you know. Whoa! What what was that word? Uh, equanimical. So yeah. so uh, you know, no, I don't have strong emotions about most things. You know, yeah. I, I I'm probably opinionated, but. Uh, but I wouldn't say, like, you know, super happy, super angry, super sad, wh- whatever, to, to anything. So, and, to, be, to, to jump in here, the way that Sam describes me is that Levi is a three to a six. Um, <laughs> so, is that like on a scale of one to ten attractiveness? Uh, no, terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what she means, though. That, that, that's yeah. not right. Yeah. You, you know, a one to ten on any given scale of, like, emotional. Um I I I think that that's really um, quite generous uh, sixes, but but you know, <laughs> um, and not talk basketball with him. <laughs> you can get to a six when you talk basketball. That that that's true, um, and I'm sure he has you know loads of opinions of uh, the Raptors and and how GSW is doing without uh, one of their star players losing the first game. But take his money. Uh, <laughs> um. I've already invested that money in Bitcoin, by the way, so uh, it's going to make you multiple. Cash that out, my friend, or you can just, just send it my way. I got a, I got a wallet, I got a Bitcoin. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. So, uh, your equanimity. My, my, my what? Yeah. My question was like, when's the last time that that any of you have gotten angry? Because I feel like that's oh, a fairly so, uncommon emotion. Not frustrated. Not me. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, on a ten-point ten scale of angry, how angry are you talking here? Uh, Spencer, I don't know. Like you have to judge. It has to be an interesting story. Like it can't just be like. Uh, it's it's hard. You for know, me to... Daenerys doing a Hitler speech and that being expected <laughs> that that made you angry. Um, something else. And I'm in the, I'm in the it was rushed. It was rushed. It was rushed. I'm in the same situation as you as as uh, you and Levi, where 
one of the more interesting bits of criticism that was ever thrown my way was a, I think it was a professor one time told me that, Spencer, I find nothing about you objectionable, and I do not mean that a compliment. Ugh. Jesus. Murdered by words. Uh, but yeah, so that I... That sounds like a, a scene out of How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, that's a criticism that I actually got from my PhD advisor who, you know, was a little bit freer with criticisms than he probably should have been, but it was you don't sound like you're excited about anything. You need to sound excited about your work. You can't just, you know, talk in a monotone because, like, no one else is going to care if they don't think that you care, and everyone is going to tune out. It doesn't matter how good the science is or how good your presentation is. Like, if if you're not excited, no one else is going to care. And, you know, if you can't figure that out, you know, you probably shouldn't continue in science. Anyway. So this is very interesting juxtaposed. So my only somewhat related experience here um, so post-college, I wanted to transition and, and, and to go to a PhD program for, for psychology. And so I was doing in a lab. I was sort of working with a lot of professors just trying to get repetitions in here. Uh, one of the professors that I really liked, um, just out of the blue one day, let's say a random Tuesday, just sent me an article. Uh, and the title is like on, of note. Um, and I read the article. And he was describing a bunch of people that were blacklisted by uh, academia um, and, and like blacklisted, but again, it was, it was more sort of highbrow. So it's talking about people that were blacklisted for their uh, radical discoveries. Like the guy who discovered uh, the germ or applied the germ theory to, to medicine. Um, sure. I think it was in Austria or somewhere in, in the German. Or, or, or yeah, the, it was in like the 1800s and there. I think it was listing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, he's at a hospital and, and they're not believing him. There's a, a few other of those. Um, and yeah, but he I was remember, kind of crazy. Like, wash your hands, wash your hands. Anyway, fine. Tell us about that. I think, well, I think that's what he was trying to apply, which is like, Levi, uh, you've got some good thoughts, but you could really offend people. Um, I mean, you need to work with your policy. Your, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would kiss on that, maybe. But 23-year-old me was definitely reading that saying, he's calling me a genius. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I've got a couple thoughts on this. One is... Um, this kind of dovetails with a theory I have where if you're going to be a manager of people, um, you need to ride the line between emotional and calm really, really well. I, th I feel like that balance is one of the most important things to being a manager or leading people, where you exude calm when your folks are freaking out, but you also are able to convey emotion when you're trying to motivate them to do something or to care about something or whatever. And that, I find myself as a... Levi, hit me for being pretentious if you want, but I found myself writing that line and like really navigating that um, and putting a lot of emphasis on it. That being said, BJ, your question was, when was the last time you got really mad? I'll tell you the last time I got really mad. So usually, I, I make curries. I like, I like to cook curries. I probably make a curry once a week. Usually, I use coconut milk. This day, coconut milk was out. I decided to use yogurt. Now, if you're using yogurt for a curry, to thicken a sauce, you have to be very careful about, about the temperature because if you get it too high, it'll break and you ruin everything. And I made this pretty good, like, curry, like, korma-type thing with fried potatoes and grilled corn. And I was super excited. Sarah tasted it. Then I decided at the last second, you know what? This needs a little tang, a little hit of something. So I put some lemon juice in it. That was a terrible idea. It broke immediately, and I spent the next two hours walking around my house cussing. This is this, and I'm going to say, BJ, caveat. 
are you angry or frustrated? I can tell you this crossed over into angry. Like I was yeah. literally considering throwing the pot at you all. Like that's how fucking angry I was when goddamn curry broke. I mean, you, you did it out of order. Had you done it in order, you could have made a nice paneer. I know. And it, that's the thing <laughs> that made me so mad is that I knew that I was making a mistake when I did it. And then this whole big delicious pot of curry just completely breaks and curls and it's all garbage. Yeah. That, that, that I, I'm right there with you in the, like, there are times that I've been cooking and I'm doing something and it's like, oh, this is, this is going to do it. And then I'm like, right in the middle, I'm just like, why am I fucking it up? It's like, I knew better. Yeah, it. exactly. Like, it, so, uh, one of the... And I, before uh, you jump into that, let me just point out one thing. So I got so mad that my, my wife, the next time she was in the grocery store, got four cans of coconut milk. So I had to cook with yogurt ever again. <laughs> I like that. I, so the other thing that, that I really appreciate is, like, how much Sarah, your wife, cares about you and knows your moods. And it's just like, all right, like, I can prevent this. Like, I can prevent this from happening. And yep. I care that much. Um, and I think it's a little column A and B, right? Because it's a, lot, a little bit of I don't want to see Terry walking around the house screaming and cussing but also that was a whole pot of curry he just wasted like i could have had some of that right <laughs> yep um but yeah like there have definitely been times that i've been cooking and i've done something like that and so there's a, a doctor that he used to work with in a lab at university of maryland who uh we used to uh we had a collaboration with hopkins and uh one of the phrases that he liked to use a lot is the enemy of uh, good is better hmm. or best. And it's like if something's good and it's working well and things like that, but you try and make it better, usually you're going to make everything worse and it's going to start failing rather than staying the course that you know is good, is solid, is whatever. And um, I think that's, you know, some of his experiences working in, uh, medical field where it's just like, all right, how can we make a little bit more money? How can we make things go a little bit smoother? And rather than saying like, okay, things are working smoothly, like let's continue with this. How can we keep this going? It's a, yeah, but we can make it slightly better. So we're going to keep mm -hmm. changing a bunch of different things with uh, some maybe difficult people or whatever else. Yep. And yep. I, I think it's, you know, a good managerial idea as well as just you know, cooking and many, many other things where sometimes minor to not so minor tweaks might improve it, but has a a big cost if it doesn't go really well. Yeah. And so where I see that going into practice a lot of times is when, you know, one of your team members brings you something, if you're a manager, and says, hey, can you review this work product, right? Let's say it's 90% right. And you can get it to 100%. But if you do that, you demotivate. Mm -hmm. Right. You just kill their motivation because you're saying, OK, you got it 90 percent right. Here's here's all my my markups. Right. So sometimes we'll let things go out at 90 percent correct. And it's strategic. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm just not yeah. going to, to, to deflate this person. Right. Well, so, yes. And say, Terry, uh, by the way, uh, that is the part that I, I dislike about professional life <laughs> is the people being OK with 90 percent. Um, and, and the story about this is that so I've, I took over a project for the new team that I'm on worked on it improved it you know got it to a mostly usable state um and, and um you know sent out a, a draft copy for people to review and, and the feedback was looks good great etc cetera, etc cetera. and i was like I, this can't be great i'm not really talented in this in, in this type of work um i think i'm clever enough but this is not my forte um and so i'm a little grumpy there and but whatever 
we release it, we ship it. Uh, we have a team meeting, um, uh, one of our quarterly be, uh, business meetings, and uh, they pull up the the application that I developed uh, on the big screen and start going over it with a fine tooth comb and saying, you know, you have uh, you don't have similarity between these two objects inside of the application. You need to fix this. This this is unintuitive. Like, they're going through this, and I'm just like not really a half chub, but sort of a half chub. <laughs> I, I would have I loved this beforehand. I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting butthurt about this. Like I, I really wanted this, this sort of fine-grained criticism because I want to make a great product. Um, but that's something that, unfortunately, due to expediency, due to people being very nice, um, happens to, in my, for at least my personality, far too much in business. Is that people well, are okay with 90%. Uh, but I understand where you're coming from. Is that certain people yes. can't take the criticism on the 10%. And they would feel really upset about it and demoted, as opposed to some of us who are just like, I, I know there's 10% to be gotten from this. Um, well, I will say that, like, I, I, of course, I know you very well, but I do think I could manage you for about 10 days and figure out that you don't want 90%. Right? You, you, you show that to the world, right? So I think a good manager would notice that and then say, okay, well, this person, I can just go through and say, all right, let's get this to 100%. But there's a lot of people out there that if, if they hit 90, they want to be uplifted. They want to be told mm-hmm. something they did. And a bunch of extensive notes doesn't really do that. I guess that's fair. It it sort of is telling that uh, I'm the person that in college, if I would get a 96 on a test, I would be pissed about 4%. What would I get wrong? And <laughs> yeah. I'd argue the 4%, and, and the professor would just be so dumbfounded of, like, why why are you? It doesn't matter. You've got an A. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I didn't get anything wrong. So um, yeah. please tell me why I was wrong. So the the thing that I find interesting is that very often in uh, laboratories in science, ninety is not acceptable. Like a hundred, like you get as close to a hundred as you can. And I wonder if it's a um, how often you turn out a product. And so because the the product that you turn out is so rare. And it reflects so highly on the work that you do, the work that your group does, that it needs to be as close to 100 as you can. Yeah, and and that's a good point, BJ. Sorry to cut you off, but I was also thinking about the military, right? Like, they can't go at 90%. I think, I think you just have to figure out the stakes that you're working mm-hmm. with. You're, you're, you're putting out science that could affect medicine that actually goes into people's bodies. You don't want 90%. If you're, you're training somebody to go into, like, a, a war area, right, you can't be 90%. But, like, Fucking spoiler alert! I'm I'm dealing with much lower stakes than that, so I can I can motivate people that way. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, um, and and here's a joke for Levi. I mean, it has to be at least 95%. So whenever, pretty much whenever in my scientific career, we've critiqued like a paper or something like that that we're putting out or or a talk or whatever. Every single time you go through that nitpicky stage and. Uh, one of the things that I really like about my current boss is that he's very good about finding very specific things very quickly. And there are there are pluses and minuses to that, but like I, I really appreciate that, you know, when we're putting a figure together or something like that, he'll just look at it and be like, oh, not all the fonts are great. Like some of these fonts are different and it's immediate. And because it's not high stakes per se, but it, it it's very much a you don't put a product out very often, and so you want everything that you put out that other people see to be of the highest quality. Question for you. Was that 95 joke, was that a confidence interval joke? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Good. Glad I was there with you. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right, PJ. I mean, if, I, I work in an atmosphere where you're you're spitting out work products every day, constant. Um, you can you can afford to let something go out the door with 90%. Right. Yeah. So back to the, and I'm going to struggle to find a way to, to anonymize the story appropriately so that I don't get fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Careful now. Um, so as background, uh, the ACMI apartment has been been going out uh, this past week. Here in the field, work for what? A, day, a day and then go out. Um, the what of your department? AC. The AC. So okay. the, oh. yeah. the air conditioner yeah. in my apartment uh, has been going out, and it's been mid-90s in North Carolina oh. for the past week. Um, so one of the nights, it, the apartment was basically 76 with, like, stale air, um, which is just infuriating. So, so I woke up at 1 a.m., um, and started doing some work. I had some things to do. So I'm, I'm grinding through work. Uh, but I can tell that I, I didn't get enough sleep and and, and I'm, uh, cause I'm, I'm getting frustrated at, 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 at small things. Um, so Levi, so quick I, aside. If this ever, so this happened to me in Illinois for a weekend. Um, I, so what I would do is I'd get those uh, freezer packs mm -hmm. um, and I'd just put them like under my armpits and whatever and I just slept with freezer packs. And a, a huge plus, my girlfriend uh, does a lot of uh, horse stuff and riding and things like that. And she had a keep cool vest where you like put a little water in it and it, it evaporates. So I froze that and I also like slept with that. I, so that's how I got through not having air conditioning in my apartment when it was like 90, 90 plus. And inside it was like mid upper 70s or something like that. As I literally slept with ice and it it made my life so much better. Mid upper seventies requires you to like body pack with ice. Trying to sleep in when when it's upper seventy like mid to upper seventies, yeah. Okay. okay. I, I living in in California is going to make my life afterwards hell because it basically doesn't you know temperatures aren't stupid, and I've gotten <laughs> so used to like oh it's it's like upper sixties this is really nice and and now when I go to North Carolina it's like. 75. I'm like, ah, it's a little warm. <laughs> All right, Levi, you got derailed that. Sorry about that. So, so throughout the day, I'm getting um, frustrated at a variety of things. I'm also doing something relatively new. I do some technology that is not documented at all. We're just sort of learning it. Get frustrated, frustrated. I look up, and it's right before call um, at some point in the day uh, to keep things as anonymous as possible. And I'm like really, really, really frustrated like, to the point where I want to like, punch a wall. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get on with this customer in, in very short time. Um, and so I, I take some preventative measures of de-stressing myself uh, and get on the call, but I'm, it, it isn't hitting me quick enough, um, that way of de-stressing. Um, and I'm just getting very combative on the phone call, like just super aggressive about things, like arguing every, every single point and saying, absolutely not, we're not doing that, go away. Um, that time, it, it really hit me that I needed to uh, plan my life a little bit better because cause that part uh, was very frustrating, and, and I was just piping mad. I said, Terry, you, you walk around the department cussing. I was on you just being like, you are just saying, you motherfucker. Like, you just, like, just so angry, <laughs> piping mad. I had to put on my little customer service voice. Um, when I was Gotta all get his sleep. Levi needs to sleep. Uh, well, it also, so it was also 80, 80, 80 degrees in my apartment um, at that point. Like, it was just 
I was hot, which makes me upset, and I didn't get enough sleep, which makes me upset, and it just was boiling over. Okay. Do we want to break here and maybe um, cut this into two episodes? Yeah, I think that. Well, so I figured I would. Uh, me and Spencer maybe finish out the uh, what's made you mad, and then we'll we'll go from there. Sounds good. Um, so, the 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 thing that I appreciate most about uh, Levi, you you saying that like being bored makes you angry. I wonder if that's true for Spencer because I just remember him keeping the his dorm room. Uh, the AC on full blast, like, all the time. And if it wasn't, like, 60 degrees, he was angry. And, and so I just wonder if, like, from the time that, that you moved south to, like, Florida, Spencer, you're just, like, angry now. And, and so, you know, everything about you is just, like, you're going to just develop an ulcer or something like that because you're just always angry. You know, a little, little bit Hulk, but but a little less green. Um, I... I have gotten more annoyed more easily as I've gotten older. Didn't necessarily associate that with higher temperatures in Florida, but you know, possible theory worth exploring. Yeah, well, well, if you're if it's worth exploring, you could always move further north and and test out this theory. Uh, also, uh, the, the temperature in uh, back in the Magnum dorm room was to a certain degree strategic because I remember some wonderful moments of where uh, if say like Joey was in the room and was starting to piss off Doug, Doug would just look at Joey, walk over to the air conditioner and just set it to full crank. <laughs> and Joey would curse and then leave the room and then Doug would walk over and turn it off. So there was an element of strategy there too. Gotcha. Uh, by the uh, way, uh, the high temperature in Boston today is 63. Just, oh, that's lovely. Just letting you know. Yeah. So um, I actually have done that quite a number of times. Uh, sending like what the uh, average or high and low is to, to my girlfriend who's in Raleigh and and she she's actually fairly happy when it's when it's a lot warmer but um, specifically these past couple of weeks where it's been in like the 90s or something like that I, it, it's been you know pretty much this entire week is I mean it's getting a little warm for me because the highs are in like the mid 70s but um, but yeah it, it, it's thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and so the, the story about me getting angry and irrationally angry, um, I was going to bring up is, um, so we had talked on a previous podcast about free food and, and things that are provided for, you know, meetings or whatever like that. And so this past Friday, there were a bunch of free sandwiches and, 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 you know, some salads and pasta salad, whatever. Uh, and I had packaged some of it up and put it in the refrigerator. And I knew that I had to come in yesterday on Saturday to uh, check on things in the lab and, and do a little bit of work. And on Friday, I had put away some food and I was like, oh, like, you know, I'll have lunch uh, on Saturday because I have to come in. And I was looking forward to this lunch. And I come in and it's not there. And I was like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't eat it or, or whatever else. Like, you know, what, what could have happened to it? And I noticed that my plate of food that I had, you know, covered with saran wrap and, and everything else, clearly that, that it was preserved um, and put in the, the communal fridge had been thrown out. And I was like angrier than I've been in the past six months or a year because 
So this is a shared refrigerator between two labs that when I get a bee in my bonnet, like I convince people to clean out, but people are not careful about throwing stuff out. There's often stuff that's been left there for like a week or two that clearly should have been thrown out. Um, there are like three or four things of uh, baking soda that are doing their damnness, but are clearly not doing their job well enough. And it's just like, of all of the times to throw something out, something that definitely isn't any specific person. So, so you know, there, there wasn't like, oh, this is mine. I better throw it out because it's gotten gross. Like, why would somebody do this? And I was just so irrationally angry. Like, I paced around and, like, I considered sending out an email to, like, everybody. Oh, no. That's a bad news. That's bad news. I, did not do it, but good, I was good. I was about to do it. And it's just like, <laughs> I, I've tried to like keep this fridge clean and everything else. And I'm the one that like keeps being the impetus for this. And like the one time that somebody throws things, something out, it's my food that literally has been in there for less than 24 hours. And I was just, just everything about my day, like for, for the next couple of hours, I was just super angry. And I even like, there was uh, some other essentially administrative stuff that I had to take care of, like talking to one of my colleagues and like I sent out an email and it was way more terse than it should have been. And essentially like I had taken care of something that should have been taken care of otherwise, but like completely not a big deal. Just essentially like a routine thing that was, you know, slightly different than it should have been. And I didn't say that I took care of it. I just said like, you need to do this in the, like, this is something that's important. You need to do it in the future. And like, when, when this person responded to it, I was like, oh, like I took care of it. Like, don't worry about it, whatever else. But like my initial email was super terse and everything else. And it's just like, really? That, that, that's what makes me mad. Like somebody throwing out food that like literally doesn't matter. Like I'm not starving or whatever else. Like, like this is not a particular impediment to my life, but I was just incensed. DJ, I, I'd I, like I walked to, around the lab cussing, just like you know, just like you, Lee. Yeah, I'd like to posit a theory about what happened here. Um, I would like to posit that maybe one of the people that you've told to throw out their, you know, their food and clean the fridge, decided, okay, all right, asshole, you want me to clean? Clean the fridge? Yeah, I'll, I'll clean the so, fridge. So, so what I actually think happened, it, and and I do appreciate that, and and find it, and and I'm amused. But what I think actually happened is somebody was reaching in the fridge for something, and then like dumped, and and like it, it fell on the floor, yeah. and sure. and knocked it out, and cleaned it up. You know, was really nice, and it's like, oh, like, you know, I'm sure felt bad, and cleaned it up, and like threw it out. But that doesn't make me less angry. <laughs> So, uh, Spencer, uh, the, the, the Hulk of Mango. I'll try to contribute. Um, it, just responding to an earlier point, BJ, I had a lab professor that defined uh, your maxim as never let the quest for the perfect interfere with the accomplishment of the good. So same kind of idea. Um, I feel like some iteration of that quote has just been around for it, years, right? It's a perfectly reasonable principle that as much as you want to aspire to accomplish the exact to the letter of uh, what your original goal is, don't, don't, don't let that uh, never-ending goal interfere with you actually still accomplishing something. 
But in terms of angry, it's kind of hard for me because I get annoyed all the damn time. But my usual divide is I get annoyed at other people. I get angry at myself. So that doesn't really fit to the category of just like, you know, expressing angry. That's kind of the norm I go into. In terms of moments where I get straight up angry, where I actually feel the need to express it to other people, that's just rare and far between. Um, When I shit on Sansa? No, no. Particularly last season, a lot of that was merited, though I I ended up getting vindication in the end completely and utterly. (laughs) Jesus. Flex. Queen of the North. Queen of the North. Yeah. Some of the the main moments where I've gotten particularly pissed, I'm curious where you guys have ever been in similar situations, of where, have you ever been in moments of where two friends are pissed at each other, and they put you in the middle of it, of them getting angry at you, that you're not picking a side, or not immediately favoring one and cutting off the other? Because I've been in that like two or three times, and it just infuriates me when I get wrapped up in those kind of situations. No, I don't really have friends with like 12-year-old girls, so it's not really a problem for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Spencer. I feel like you could easily preempt that. By the next time this happens, just pick a side arbitrarily. And be like, no, this person's right. Then they would but no, we don't. The, the reason they're doing this is because you're an arbiter, right? Because you're you're dealing with this thoughtfully, and you're you know you're you're able to. They view you as some sort of judge. But if you just if somebody like gets an argument, you're just like, oh yeah, you're right, you're wrong. All of a sudden, you're boring. So, so Spencer, do you do you carry a sword and have cloaking? I mean, you do seem like an arbiter, just in general. Um, so sorry, guys, that was a Halo reference. Yes, but, it was. Um, so, so, Spencer, I, I before before you tell your story, and and I, I, I really definitely don't want to hear this. Um, well, well, you have to have a story of the last time you were actually angry, like you know, a little bit more in the specifics, but. There, there were definitely people that, that I was friendly with that, that would have these arguments. And just at some point, I was just like, I don't care about you enough. Like, I, none of the friends. That's right there. Yeah, exactly. None of the friends that, that I have maintained friendships with for, for more than like a year ever seemed to have issues like this or anything like that. Like, I just can't imagine like you know it's it's like who's right you know in in some specific thing like you know spencer being a weird sansa apologist like i'm sure like that that could have been taken to our group between uh lee and spencer and been like well who's right but like it legit doesn't matter like there's no like it, well yeah lee of course you're right like there's no question <laughs> but like whatever that, that, that's not germane to this discussion um <laughs> I mean, just because Sansa's the worst doesn't, like, anyway. The worst. Um, North and, ran, and read Danny perfectly, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but for the most part, like, the disagreements that we have have nothing to do with, like, a problem in our friendship. It's like we like disagreeing and having those arguments. And I just don't maintain friendships, I guess, with people that it's sort of like once they start doing that, it's like, oh, well, you need to pick a side. And it's like, well, my side is, I don't care. So, yeah. So BJ, maybe your advice is better than mine. Whereas I said, arbitrarily pick a side to get yourself out of the conversation. But yeah. maybe if you just go, I don't care about either side. I'm not going to weigh in. Maybe that's the, the cleaner way to get out of that discussion. Just back away out of the room to say, done, not, don't care, gone. <laughs> well, uh, I feel, I feel like, well, what, what I was going to say is like, two middle fingers. W- out well, care. way worse. is just like, I've known you guys for like, what? Six months, like I don't care enough about either of you to have a particular opinion on this. 
We're going on brand in terms of our answers to this question. Exactly. Do we want to pause here and then and then do the second half? Yeah. Um, I I think this is a good spot to wrap wrap up. Um, We can definitely uh, walk us out and then walk us into the next one. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, that was the first leg of Whiskey and Weekends here. We are recording this on June 2nd. Um, Taste of two whiskeys. We have one more to go, so we are going to pause here and pick up uh, for part two of Whiskey and Weekends, June 2nd. See you.